What a beautiful Sabbath day it is to praise God and worship Him. Um, always wonderful to see everybody here, even though we are few. Um, we're actually many because there are unseen visitors here today. Before we begin our message this morning, let us pray. Wonderful Heavenly Father, today we are here to give you glory. We invite you, God Almighty, Jesus our Savior, and Holy Spirit our Comforter, to worship with us, with us, with all your holy angels. Lord, help us to learn more about you as we worship you in spirit. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Clyde, for reading the the uh, Bible text, the scripture today. We know what Jesus was all about as he led his disciples to the Mount of Olives after their communion service in the upper room. They were in one of Christ's favorite places, the Garden of Gethsemane, there on the Mount of Olives. He spent time there in the past with the disciples, teaching them, and also spending time in prayer. This prayer was even more uh, diligent and special You see, Jesus was praying for the world. Jesus was praying for all of his believers, his disciples, and he prayed for himself as well. And that is why he asked this question of his Father in heaven. If it be possible, may this cup be taken from me. And in this um NIV version of the Bible that says, Yet not as I will, but as you will. Now the King James says, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I will get back to this word nevertheless and its meaning here. It's very important that we understand this nevertheless. Whenever I read this portion of Matthew, when Jesus is in prayer, he is so diligent in this prayer that a phenomenal thing was taking place. In Luke 22:44, there's another Luke's version of Jesus there. on the Mount of Olives, and this is prayer. Luke 22, 44 says, and being in anguish, you know, he had gone back several times to speak to the disciples. First, Matthew, Mark, not Matthew, Mark, but that was, uh, I'm sorry, Peter, James, and John, they were sleeping, but they were away from the rest. And then he went to the rest, they were sleeping. So, several times Jesus prayed, may this cup pass from me. Now, with that meaning, may this cup pass from me, it's, how about another way, Lord? How about doing it 
some other way, another plan. Why do I have to do this? Jesus wasn't complaining. He was just making sure. And he told his father, oh, nevertheless, I know the importance of this. He knew all along. So you hear the voice of Jesus speaking like a human, then you hear him speaking like a son or the son of God. You know, he was both. He prayed earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. That is earnest prayer. We'll get back to this uh, uh, Matthew and Luke. But in the book of Exodus, I know that there's one person that stands out in the book of Exodus besides Jesus. That would be Moses. We find Moses in the land of Midian. And he's married the daughter of the king of Midian. Jethro, that is his name. I really enjoyed this story about uh, Moses and the burning bush. He could see it from afar as he's tending his flock. Moses walks up. And I start in uh, Exodus and chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses, tending the flock of, his, of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And we know Horeb is also Sinai. It's the same mountain. Verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Usually when something is caught on fire, it is consumed and burned to the ground. Verse 3 says, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him, and from within the bush, he calls Moses. Moses. Moses is thinking, who is this that knows me and knows my name? Moses said, here I am. And God says, do not come closer. Take your sandals off for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Do we ever think much about holy ground? I'm not sure if even Moses knew about Holy Ground. But I will say this. God was telling Moses that you're standing too close. You need to get down on your knees and on your face. We know the story about Moses. We know him as an Egyptian and Hebrew. And Moses was still learning, but he had 40 years in the wilderness to learn and, and know what faith was about. I think he was trembling. I know I would be trembling. And then this voice says to Moses, I am the God of your father. So he introduces himself. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
You know, the story of Moses is one of the greatest stories. And it might be, except that the greatest story is about Jesus. So here's Moses. And God, angel of the Lord, Satan, I mean, uh, Jesus, there. And I know that Moses knew he was speaking to God because he was trembling and he basically hid his face. Might have fallen face to the ground, I don't know. But in verse 10, the voice says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now they were Israelites. They weren't Hebrews. They were Israelites. Actually named after Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And then the next verse, 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses is thinking, I got kicked out for murdering an Egyptian. Why would I go back and speak face to face with this Pharaoh who wants me dead? Verse 12, and God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this holy mountain. Horeb and will be Sinai. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is this name? What shall I tell them? What shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent you to me. You know, Moses still is reluctant. He doesn't really want to go. And basically God said, I figured he'd say that, Moses. And so I am going to, or I've asked Aaron to come with you. Because Aaron, as the high priest, would speak with you. He would help you say the right words to the Pharaoh. Nevertheless, I will be done. Nevertheless. Do you think that uh, Moses was thinking the same thing as Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? He was commissioned to do something extremely important. Maybe the most important thing that any man would ever be asked to do is to go to Pharaoh and request that the children of Israel be released and into freedom away from bondage and slavery. Moses was probably thinking, oh Lord, I can't imagine ever doing such a thing as this. He never thought that he would be commissioned to do a great work as being the deliverer of God's people. Nevertheless, he says to God, thy will be done. I love this story. And I want to finish this story going on to chapter 4 and reading verses 10 to 13. 
Moses said to the Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. The Lord said to him, You gave man his mouth. Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? It's not I, the Lord. He's asking, Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. And Moses says, Oh Lord, please send someone else. So at this point, he really hasn't decided, but he will decide. We know the rest of the story. Nevertheless, oh Lord God, thy will be done. You know how the Lord's Prayer starts out? Anybody know how it starts out? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and then what? Thy will be done. Do we really pray that prayer? Should we pray that prayer? Thy will be done. And now we go to the throne room, throne room of God. In Isaiah chapter 6, in a vision from God, Isaiah sees the whole throne room. There's smoke going throughout. There's like a violent shaking, and it got his attention. This uh, commission of Isaiah was to become a prophet of God. And one of the most famous, one of the most important prophets that God has ever called. Isaiah verse 1 says, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another. And they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. You ever think of being a baby and seeing a seraph on More than one, with six wings. You see pictures of two wings. These angels have six. It says right here, six wings. So Isaiah. God has Isaiah's attention. And verse 4 says, at the sound of their voices, I, I read that. Verse 5 says, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. I have, I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The King, the real King, is on his throne. And Isaiah knows that he is the king, that this king is the king of heaven and earth, the king of kings. So Isaiah says, I'm unclean. I'm ruined. Woe to me. I can't imagine why you're talking to me 
I'm nobody. And verse 6 says that one of the seraphs flew to me. The seraphs with the six wings with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. That's a fire. And with it, he touched my mouth. That would scare me. A burning ember, a piece of coal coming and touching the lips. And he didn't feel anything other than something about being clothed with the righteousness of God. See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Verse 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? And who will go for us? Well, here's Isaiah already saying, Woe to me, I'm undone, I'm unclean. And now he has a change of heart. Nevertheless, God Almighty, King of Kings, thy will be done. Thy will be done. You know, it's important for us to express, to think, and to feel, thy will be done, Lord Almighty. You know, we're in trouble when we don't. And then I heard the voice of the Lord, and I said, here I am, send me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. I love this story, the provision for Isaiah. We know Isaiah to be a man of God, a prophet of God. And you know what we have in the book of Isaiah? We have some wonderful promises, wonderful statements on the power of God. And this comes from Isaiah. I have some favorites that I want to share right now. One of them is found in Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. These who wait on the Lord have already proclaimed And Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He takes hold of our hand. You know that hand is the hand of omnipotence? Nevertheless, I will when he finishes this wilderness. 26.3 This one, I know in a lot of the memory texts I know from the King James. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Ever think of that when you trust in the Lord? You have peace. Peace that's almost impossible to express. Peace that's something you really ought to want to share with others. And then in verse 4, 
I know I didn't say verse 4 beginning, but it says, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. I love that symbol of God. You know, this is a rock that's immovable. This is a rock that has been thrown at the feet of that um, that statue we, we read about in Daniel. Cut out with his hands. Exactly. And maybe this is my favorite text that Isaiah shares with us. Isaiah 65, Isaiah 65, verse 17 and 18. 65, 17 and 18. Give it a little time to find it. How many of you like the book of Isaiah? How many of you read it? Isaiah 53. Oh, 50, no, no, 65. Yeah, verse 17 and verse 18. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forevermore. You think he had a vision of Our vision of the new earth? It says new heavens, new earth. Anyone that doesn't believe in either one of them, they don't believe in God. They don't believe in God. So yes, Isaiah is right up there with a man that has said to God, I'm unclean. Why do you pick me? I don't think so. I don't think so, God. And then after God had had time with Isaiah, and it says here, purified, made him whole, made him clean. He had a new, a change of heart. He goes, I know you're looking for somebody, and you're looking for me. I wouldn't be here if you weren't. You want to send somebody, Lord send. Nevertheless, thy will be done. Now we find Peter. He's the spokesman leader of the 12 disciples. Let's go to John 21. I particularly like the book of John. It's kind of different in the way he, he uh, writes this gospel. John is known as the Beloved. And at one point, when Jesus was on the cross, Jesus said, John, take my mother into your home. And take what more important task can anyone ask, can Jesus ask of anyone? He asked that of John. 21 verse 15 um, I'll go to verse 19. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these or more than anyone? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
Well, that's like saying, you're a friend of mine, and I like you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. What is feed my lambs? That's telling him, I want you to be the leader here. Stand up and be the leader. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He put in, truly love me. And then John said, I do love you. I love you a lot. You know I do. But he didn't say it with a lot of heart. And then Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Second time, I want you to be the leader. I want you to help share the gospel in this early Christian church. The third time he said to, to him, Simon, son of John, do you really love me? Do you love me? About this time, Peter was hurt. He was crying. And imagine, this is the third time Jesus asked the question. Somebody asked Peter a question when, they, when Jesus was going on trial. They said, you know this man. I've seen you with him. And he swore up and down. I don't know him. Three times he, be, he betrayed Jesus. Peter was hurt. Jesus asked him the third time. And he said, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love you. And Jesus said again a third time, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. You know what that is? That's Peter thinking. What you tell me is really scary. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then Jesus said to him, Peter, are you up to the task? Will you follow me? And Peter goes, I'm sure. Nevertheless, I will be done. I love this story of Peter. I love it. I hope we all do, because this is the New Testament uh, sim similar uh, statements of Jesus when he was praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Nevertheless, nevertheless means all of this said. You know how I feel now. I'm not really wanting this at all. But Lord, because you asked me, nevertheless, thy will be done. Why is it important to accept the will of God? Do we know that answer to that question? Do we know why it's important? What is God's will? It is important that we accept his will even though it's not right away. But the will of God is to have righteousness and perfection in the whole universe. And 
like John 3.16 says. Again, it's John the Beloved. He tells us that when we believe in Jesus, when we trust him and have faith in him, when we say, nevertheless, thy will be done, he promises eternal life. Now let me tell you, is it worth it to accept God's will in your life? Yeah. It's more than worth it. It's amazing. And it's almost like hard to believe. But we ought to have this attitude of nevertheless, that will be done. Let's pray. Father in heaven, today we are here to accept your call. And hopefully we all will say, Lord, thy will be done. Even though we're not sure, we're going to put our faith in you and accept your will in all things. And remember that you are our Savior. And you're coming again. We look forward to that. All these things we pray with Jesus' name. Amen.